بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله الذي أنزل قرآنا عربيا وهدانا صراطا صويا والصلاة والسلام على محمد الذي بعث رسول النبي وعلى آله وصحبه الذين سلكوا طريقا مرضيا أما بعد my respected elders dearest brothers and sisters Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh When we look into the life of our beloved Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, we find that he was at times persecuted, vilified, attacked in many ways and in various forms. Some of those attacks were of a physical nature that the Prophet ﷺ would have left his residence and he would be proceeding somewhere where somebody would come and they would attempt to attack him. At times they would throw the entrails of camels at him. They would pelt him with stones. And there are many, many narrations which highlight this. At times, the assault or the persecution was verbal in its nature. In that... The Prophet ﷺ would have been called Kahin or Sahir or Majnoon. He would be called a soothsayer or a sorcerer or a person who is insane. And sometimes, and when you look into the life of the Prophet ﷺ, some of the greatest suffering that he has had is when individuals from among the community have targeted his private life. Now I'm sure we will all agree that our private life, the life that we live at home, the life that we live with our spouse, with our children, who know us more than any other person on the face of this earth. We may be generous to our friends, we may be jovial with our friends, we may show you know, an abundance of different characteristics in front of our friends, but how we are at home, what our true nature is, only the people of the household truly know that. That's why it's a famous statement that if you ever truly want to know what is within a man, then ask his wife. She will tell you exactly what is within him. And therefore, when individuals pry and try to cause issue and try to cause a rift, within the people of the household, that attack is one which is incredibly severe. And when we look at the life of the Prophet ﷺ, there wasn't an angle where he was not attacked from, whether it be physical, whether it be, uh, or whether it be physical, whether it be verbal, whether it be mental, whether it be behind you know, a cloak, whether it be behind a veil, whether it be in secret, whether it be clandestinely, whether it be publicly, However, the Prophet ﷺ, wherever he was, he was being attacked at all times in order to dissuade him from the purpose that he was sent with, the, the job that he had, the objective that he had to carry out. One of the most painful experiences, and when we say painful, we mean you know, excruciating experiences that the Prophet ﷺ had to suffer during his life happened in the fifth year after Hijrah. So after the migration, the fifth year, after that, an incident occurred, and there are many lessons in this particular incident. 
The Prophet ﷺ was returning from a tribe known as Banu Mustaliq. This particular tribe was a few miles out of Medina. It was an expedition. And the Prophet ﷺ, when he would go on an expedition, he would take his partner, his wife Aisha radiallahu anha with him. As he's returning from Banu Mustaliq and he's returning to Medina, they get to a place and they decide to stop there. People want to pray their salah, people want to freshen up, people want to take a break, you know, service stop as we have. Now what happens at this juncture is that Aisha, the wife of the Prophet wasallam, goes to a distant place in order to relieve herself. And as she goes, a necklace which was precious to her, some of the beads from that necklace, or the necklace in itself, are lost. Aisha radiallahu anha begins looking everywhere for it. Of course, it's something which is of great value to her. The Prophet sallallahu and his companions would carry Aisha radiallahu anha in something which was known as a hawdaj, a, a carriage of some sort. And they would carry her in this way. Some have related hawdaj to be actually a camel, and they would, it was a specific camel which was spe specified specifically for Aisha, the wife of the Prophet sallallahu However, it's more appropriate that it was a carriage of some sort. Now, the time comes to leave, and Aisha radiallahu anha, by her own admission, highlights in a narration related by Imam Bukhari rahimahullah, that they thought she was inside that carriage. The reason being that she was very light in her weight. And she mentions that women during those, those times, in that generation, in that era, were very slim because of the paucity and the lack of food which was in the community. The, the, the society of the Prophet ﷺ was one which was poor. People were destitute. There was no food, you know, at, 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 you know, whenever you wanted it, on demand. In fact, Aisha radiallahu anha mentions herself regarding her own household that for three months in the house of the Prophet ﷺ, the oven would not be lit. And some days the Prophet ﷺ would have bread. He would never eat bread for two days consecutively because it just wasn't there. Most days he would fast. So Aisha radiallahu anha highlights that the people thought that she was inside this carriage. And they lifted the carriage and then they went. Now the way that the Prophet ﷺ had set up this travel and this expedition and this army on its, on its return was that they would all go and then he would leave someone behind or a few people behind in order to pick up any lost belongings people sometimes leave behind in the rush and they were to bring it and then they would return to Medina and then they would give it back to wherever it belonged to lost property. Aisha radiallahu anha returned to the spot and she realized that everyone had gone. So she thought, well, let me sleep here for some time. Once they realize I'm not there when they return to Medina, they'll probably come back and try finding me or the person who will be coming will eventually find me. So she falls asleep in that spot. Meanwhile, the Prophet ﷺ has now returned, or is on his return, and from the back, just as he had stipulated one individual by the name of Safwan ibn Mu'attal. Now for the Prophet ﷺ to give him a specific task, you have to understand the context, you have to understand the, 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 the reasoning. For the Prophet ﷺ to give the opportunity to someone to be a leader or to be responsible for something belonging to the Muslims, this is a big deal. And he chose a man by the name of Safwan ibn Mu'attal, who the Prophet ﷺ later on describes him as a good man whom he has not heard anything wrong about. 
Now, Safwan ibn Mu'attal comes and he sees Aisha radiallahu anha who is asleep. He recognizes Aisha from the days before the hijab, etc., where people would see each other in public. And when he sees her, he says, Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raji'un. She wakes up and she realizes immediately that somebody is here. He gets off from his mount and he says to Aisha radiallahu anha that please. And she mounts upon the camel or the horse and he walks ahead of her. Aisha radiallahu anha mentions that he did not say anything about from inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi rajiun and he took her back to Medina. Seeing this as an opportunity, the leader of the hypocrites of Medina, Abdullah ibn Ubay ibn Salul, he was a leader of the Munafiq. You know when we say hypocrites, for, in our context, in, in our, the way we interpret the word hypocrite is that we say if a person doesn't practice what he preaches, you say to a person, oh, you should pray, you should pray, but then that very same person isn't praying. Or you should fast in the day, of the, you should fast the month of Ramadan, and that, that, that person is found in a restaurant eating. We'll say, oh, this person's a hypocrite. During the time of the Prophet wasallam, a hypocrite had a different meaning, a munafiq had a different meaning. They were those individuals who would dress just like the Muslims would dress. They would look just as a Muslim would look, However, their objective was to sow discord and sow seeds of evil within the Muslim community by starting rumors, salacious rumors, by spreading falsehood, by saying things about the Prophet ﷺ behind his back. And to find the source of all of this would be very difficult. I'll give, you a, I'll give you an example of the chaos that they would create. That when it was the Battle of Uhud, when the pagans of Mecca, who numbered 3,000, were marching to Medina in order to absolutely you know, kill everybody and annihilate everyone that was there, the Prophet ﷺ came out with an army of 1,000, 3,000 army and coming up against an army of 1,000. 300 of those men were munafiks, were hypocrites. And at the final moment where they were preparing themselves for the war, the 300 led by their leader, Abdullah ibn Sulul, who I was just mentioning, says that actually we are going back to Medina and he leaves the Prophet ﷺ in a lurch and he returns to Medina. So this was the type of discord that they would make. They would really, really cause chaos in the life of the Prophet They would attack him again, verbally, physically, but never ever would they show themselves again behind the veil, okay, beneath the cloak. Their hearts would harbor great rancor and hatred for the Prophet and for his message. And, and they wanted to destabilize and cause disunity among the people of Medina. Why? Because Abdullah ibn Ubay ibn Salul, before the Prophet was expelled from Makkah and he, before he left and he migrated to Medina, Abdullah ibn Ubay ibn Salul was the chief. But all of a sudden, when the Prophet ﷺ has made his advent and he has entered into Medina, the people of Medina are thrilled to have the Messenger of Allah. They are singing, The white moon has rose over us when he's coming. And as a result, they are saying that this is our leader. So they discarded with Abdullah ibn Ubay ibn Salul. And he was extremely jealous regarding this. So now he made it his life's ambition. No matter how much the Prophet ﷺ tried with him, no matter how much kindness, no matter how much compassion the Prophet ﷺ showed him, Abdullah ibn Ubay ibn Salul had made it his prerogative and had made it his, uh, his objective in life to try to destroy the Prophet ﷺ by whatever means. And sometimes these means were away from all sense of intrinsic qualities of goodness, of being a good person, of being a person of good nature. So... He starts this rumor. He sees an opportunity. 
he sees that Aisha and Safwan ibn Mu'attal were alone and he was taking her back. And he starts saying from among the people, to, uh, he says to the people that there is something going on here and he accuses, na'udhu billah, Aisha radiallahu anha and Safwan ibn Mu'attal of wrongdoing. You have to be very sensitive when mentioning this story because you never want to say anything so weighty on the tongue against the likes of Aisha radiallahu anha. So he now makes an issue out of this, that there's something going on here. This starts spreading like wildfire in Medina. People start mentioning this. This is, this is the wife of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa My friends, understand this in its context. This is the wife of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi Her integrity, her honor at stake among the people of Medina. Everybody is talking about it. To the extent that Muslims, good Muslims, not Munafiq, who heard about this, perhaps because of their love for the Prophet sallallahu alayhi when they hear this, they also fall into this web of lies, of salacious rumors, of, of, of wrongdoing. And they start saying things against Aisha. There is not any evidence. Of course there wouldn't be any evidence. And as such, they start spreading rumors. The purpose was to again affect the Prophet ﷺ mentally, spiritually. To destroy him within his own household. That a person who can't look after his own household, how can he look after the Ummah? This is the purpose. And Aisha anha is completely oblivious to this. She returns to her home and she begins to feel a bit ill. Why does she begin to feel a bit ill? She highlights, now, couples mirror each other. When you are in a good mood, it is generally because your partner is in a good mood. When you are upset, it is generally because your partner is upset. When you are frustrated, it is generally because your partner is also frustrated, perhaps at you. Couples mirror one another. Understand the love that the Prophet ﷺ had for Aisha. Regarding Aisha, he would say, when he was asked, who is the most beloved to you? He would say, Aisha. When he was asked, who was the most beloved from among the men? He would say, her father, Abu Bakr. He would say that the virtue and the excellency and the superiority of Aisha over everyone else is like the virtue of a dish called Thareed. Thareed was the favorite dish of the Prophet ﷺ. It was like a stew which had meat in it and bread in it. He really, really loved this. And he said the virtue of Aisha over everyone is like the virtue of Thareed over all other dishes. In another place, Aisha anha drinks from a glass of water. He turns the glass and he places his lips in the very same place that she would place his, her lips. When she would eat from a piece of meat, he turns it and he places his lips wherever she placed her lips. At times, he's with his companions. He says, go ahead, I want to be with Aisha. My purpose for this is not to show you, you know, a, a marriage talk or how we should be with our spouse, etc. My purpose by mentioning this, we've had previous talks on that. My, my purpose in mentioning this is purely to show you the affection that the Prophet ﷺ had for Aisha. He absolutely loved her, absolutely loved her. To the extent that... The Sahaba radiallahu anhu mentioned that when the Prophet sallallahu would show his attention to a person, that person, even if he was a sharril qawm in the hadith it mentions, even if he was the worst from among the community, that person would feel most beloved to the Prophet sallallahu Now Aisha radiallahu anha mentions, I felt a bit of distance from the Prophet sallallahu He would come home. And remember, the Prophet ﷺ has been hearing all about this. Aisha doesn't know what's going on in the community. All of these rumors have been spreading around. She, do, she doesn't know, but the Prophet ﷺ knows. He comes home, he doesn't say anything. He says, how are you, Aisha? Are you well? 
She says yes. He doesn't say anything else. He leaves. And this was their relationship for some time. Aisha radiallahu anha, this is making her feel really, really ill. It's making her feel really, really sick. When the beloved is not pleased with you, when the person you are most smitten with, the person you love the most, is not happy with you, or there is an issue which is unresolved, then life becomes like a nightmare. Which is why I always say to couples who come for counseling that never ever leave an issue unresolved overnight. Otherwise, your sleep will become haram for you. And we can all testify to that. When your partner is angry with you or upset with you, it, it aches and it pulls at the heart. And therefore, resolve it straight away. Now, this is going on for a, a month in the very house of the Prophet wasallam. Okay. We'll continue, inshallah, uh, on, the, on the member. Alhamdulillah wa kafa wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah ma ba'd. For a whole month, this saga continued in the very house of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam would go out and he would return and there was distance between him and Aisha radiallahu anha. That usual jovial state within the house was not found. The household was bereft of such warmth. Aisha radiallahu anha, one day after a month or so, where she's feeling sick, where she's feeling upset, she decides to leave the household for some time. She was sick for a month, she didn't leave. She was feeling a bit better towards the end of that month, and she decided to leave. And she was accompanied by an individual by the name of Umm Mistah, the mother of Mistah. And as they are walking, they are talking, and Umm Mistah, the mother of Mistah, she trips on her garment, upon her cloak, and she falls over. And as she falls over, she says, Ta'isa Mistah. May Mistah, meaning her own son, may he be cursed. Aisha radiallahu anha is befuddled, absolutely stunned by this comment, by this statement, that why is she cursing her own son? So she asks her, that why are you cursing a man who has participated in the battle of Badr, the first battle that the Muslims fought when they were only 300 and the pagans were 1,000, where death was almost imminent and certain. He put his life on the line. Why are you cursing such a man who is of such piety and such honor? She says, do you not know what's happened? Aisha radiallahu anha says, no, what's happened? And she relates the entire incident, what's been happening to Aisha radiallahu anha and Safwan ibn Mu'attal behind her back, which she has no, which she's totally oblivious of, for the entire month, what the people of Medina have said. Some, imagine my friends, this was not just the munafiqeen saying it now. One month had passed. I say to you, imagine you are that one person sitting in this masjid and everyone around you believed a false lie about you, a slander about you, a heinous lie. Every single person thought that of you. Where do you turn? Who do you look at? Where is that escape? This is what was happening to Aisha radiallahu anha. And that was a small-knit society, a community. Everybody was talking about it. To the extent that a Badri Sahabi, a Badri companion was also speaking about it. Aisha radiallahu anha falls into, and it would be no, you know, it wouldn't be going on beyond the mark to say that she fell into depression. If you look at the narration of Imam Bukhari rahimahullah, it highlights that she cried incessantly for days to the extent that her parents felt that her innards would be ripped apart and would burst. She was crying profusely. The Prophet sallallahu came home as he did 
and Aisha radiallahu anha now well aware of the situation, everything is falling into place, everything is making sense. She says to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi I would like to go to my parents' house. And Aisha radiallahu anha asked for the permission and the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, is, is everything, is that okay? The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, that's fine, there's, there's no issue here. Go to the, your, your parents' house. And she goes to her parents' house. And she continues in this manner, crying and crying and crying. Until one day the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam goes, remember, there is not a shred of evidence. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam realizes the, the need for this to come to an end, for this to be resolved. And he says to Aisha, he sits with Aisha, and he says to Aisha, he says, Things have been said. You are fully aware of it. What is the truth I am asking you? She says to her, if it has happened, then make tawbah to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Seek forgiveness and Allah will forgive you. And if it has not happened, it has not happened. But what's the truth? Tell me. Aisha radiallahu anha defiantly dries her tears and she says, if I was to say to the people, if I was to say that I am innocent, people will say, no, she's not innocent. And if I was to say that I am guilty, then people would say, yes, she's guilty. The odds are not in my favor. Therefore, all I will say is what the father of Yusuf salam, said when his son was taken away. He said, He said, patience is beautiful. And Allah's help is sought of all those things that you ascribe. No longer had she said this, then wahi and revelation came down to the Prophet And in this, there are lessons for the believers and for the Muslims. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala immediately reprimanded those individuals who made this great slander. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when the Prophet wasallam would go into the state of revelation, he would lower his head at times. At times, the weight of revelation was such that if he was sitting upon a camel, the camel would collapse. One companion of his highlights, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu highlights, that his head was resting upon the thighs of Abdullah ibn Mas'ud when the power of this Qur'an was such that he felt that his legs were going to be crushed. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa it was a cold day. And despite it being a cold day, there would be beads of sweat which would be appearing on his blessed forehead. In one hadith of Imam Bukhari, rahimahullah, he mentions that the, the, the Sahaba mentions that when wahi would be given to the Prophet, وسلم, we would be able to hear a sound which was jaras. It would be like a bell sound, a, a humming, a ringing which would occur. And Khatib Baghdadi rahimahullah, has mentioned this, this buzzing would be the sound of the angels' wings which were fluttering. Now, he receives this revelation. And in this revelation, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala exonerates Aisha radiallahu anha and highlights her innocence. And he says several things. He says the first, the first thing that he makes of the community, the first criticism that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala highlights about the community is that, he says, why was it not the case when this grievous and when this heinous lie was made regarding one from among you whom you knew to be good, why was there nobody to stand up and say that this is clear-cut lie? This is a clear-cut slander. Why was there none from among you to do that? In fact, Abu Ayyub al-Ansari, the companion of the Prophet وسلم, who is buried in Ayyub in Turkey, Abu Ayyub al-Ansari, when this was presented to him, he said straight away, this is a clear lie. This is an absolute lie. And he, he, he then said to his wife that, would you ever do such a deed? And she said, I would never ever do such a deed. And Abu Ayyub al-Ansari said, well, the wife of the Prophet is far more righteous and far more pious Then there is no chance that she would have done this. Abu Ayyub al-Ansari The first lesson, 
Why is it not the situation when you hear wrong is being promulgated and propagated and broadcasted among the community that you are among the people who say this is a clear-cut lie, that you stand behind those who are pious and righteous within your community and you defend them at all costs? That was the first criticism. The second thing that the Prophet ﷺ, the second thing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned is that why was it not that when this was said in front of you, you said this isn't a matter for us to speak in. It doesn't concern us. My friends, today we are at times so involved in the lives of others, in the private lives of others. We like information which is, you know, saucy, which is again salacious, which is gossip to our ears. During the month of Ramadan, remember, for many individuals, fasting, of the Ramadan, fasting in the month of Ramadan is not just the fasting of the stomach. For some people, the fasting of the stomach is hard. For others, it's not the fasting of the stomach which is an issue for them to be bothered about. It is the fasting of the ears. Sometimes it's the fasting of the eyes, that the ears are listening to things, again, slander, lies, things which are completely wrong. For some, it's the fasting of the tongue because they are so used to saying wrong things, perhaps swearing, perhaps backbiting, perhaps saying wrong about other people. So that fasting for them is not just the fasting of the stomach, it is also the fasting of the tongue. For other individuals, it is the fasting of the entire body, if the entire body is used in wrong. My friends, in this particular story of Aisha radiallahu anha, look at how many people were affected purely because nobody was there to stand up and be defiant and say this is wrong or because everybody wanted an opinion in it there wasn't an individual there were only very little individuals who said we haven't got anything to say about this look at how many people were affected Aisha radiallahu anha by far was given such a, 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 a horror uh, of a scenario presented before her you've got the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam who was in a really really difficult situation you have Safwan ibn Mu'attal. Can you imagine? You know, often Safwan ibn Mu'attal isn't even spoken about. He was that man from among the community where the people, when they're looking at a person who's the culprit, everyone's pointing the fingers at Safwan ibn Mu'attal. Whilst the Prophet ﷺ is there. You know, this is the wife of the Prophet. ﷺ. You have the mother and the father of Aisha radiallahu anha, Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, who's also suffering. You've got people, Badri Sahabis who involved themselves. Why? Because nobody said at any juncture that this does not concern me or this is a clear-cut lie. We do not know any evil of this person. We do not know any wrong about this person. This person is a good person. This is an upright person. There wasn't anyone to say it. And look at the repercussions. Look at what was sown. Therefore, to conclude, our objective, our purpose as individuals who wish to sow righteousness within the community, to propagate goodness within the community, to be upright, it is necessary for you to be defenders of the truth. It is necessary for you to base everything upon evidence, not just on hearsay. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions in Surah Hujarat, if an individual comes to you with news, and this individual is a fasik, a flagrant, an open wrongdoer, a person who cannot be trusted, then make sure that you have researched and investigated what this person has said. Lest you afflict a community with your ignorance or a person with your ignorance, and you wake up the following morning, the following day, and you have embarrassed yourself because the truth has come out and it's not what it was. 
May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant me the ability to act upon what has been said. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant you the ability to act upon what has been said. Honestly, you look at Aisha radiallahu anha, look at how Allah exonerated her. For the integrity, for the honor of one woman, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reveals several verses in the Quran which will be recited from now till the day of Qiyamah. Just for the sake, Aisha radiallahu anha mentions herself. I didn't think that this would happen. I thought that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi would see a dream. After he saw the dream, he would know that I am innocent. For the sake of her, for the sake of her piety, because she was such an upright individual, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala changed the world and changed the surface of this earth by revealing these verses in order to exonerate her. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us all. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept our sitting here. نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله تعالى من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له ونشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له ونشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله صلى الله تعالى عليه وعلى آله وأصحابه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا كثيرا ما بعد فقد قال الله تبارك وتعالى إن الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما اللهم صل على محمد وعلى آل محمد كما صليت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم إنك حميد مجيد اللهم بارك على محمد وعلى آل محمد كما باركت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم إنك حميد مجيد اللهم ارضى عن الخلفاء الراشدين الأربع أبي بكر وعمر وأثمان وعلي وعن الستة من العشرة ونأهل بدر ونأسهاب الشجرة وعن السابقين الأولين من المهاجرين والأنصار وعن أمهات المؤمنين وعن الصحابة رضي الله تعالى عنهم أجمعين اللهم اغفر لنا وللمؤمنين والمؤمنات والمسلمين والمسلمات وألف بين قلوبهم وأصلح ذات بينهم وانصرهم على عدوك وعدوهم اللهم اغفر لأمة سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم اللهم استر أمة سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم اللهم احفظ أمة سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم اللهم تجاوز عن أمة سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم اللهم ارحم أمة سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم اللهم عز الإسلام والمسلمين اللهم عز الإسلام والمسلمين اللهم انصر الإسلام والمسلمين في كل مكان اللهم أصلح أحوال المسلمين في كل مكان اللهم أنجل مستضعفين من المؤمنين في كل مكان اللهم كن لهم عونا ونصيرا اللهم بدل خوفهم أمنا وأخرجهم من الظلمات إلى النور يا أرحم الراحمين عباد الله رحمكم الله إن الله يأمر بالعدل والإحسان وإيتاء ذي القربى وينهى عن الفحشاء والمنكر والبغي يعيدكم لعلكم تذكرون اذكروا الله يذكركم ودعوه يستجب لكم ولذكر الله تعالى أكبر والله يعلم ما تصنعون أقيموا الصلاة